the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome back to Season 5 of the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am still your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. Now, whether you're a fan of the show from day one, whether this is your first time listening or anywhere in between, I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your support and just generally say thank you. It is very much appreciated. But... I am going to continue to endeavor to bring you the best content I possibly can. So every episode, I'm going to be speaking to experts, leaders, innovators, and indeed game changers to look at ways that we can improve your driving school business and potentially make an even more awesome driving instructor. And that does not change today. We're kicking off season five of an excellent episode featuring the marvelous Sarah Hall. Now, Sarah Hall has been a driving instructor for about a year. And she's done a whole host of other stuff before that. So she's got a massive background in motor racing, both taking part, training people in different areas. She's motorsport journalist and photographer and social media whiz, all that kind of stuff. And she's taken those skills into becoming an instructor. And that's the big thing we're talking about today. Her journey to becoming an instructor, how she used those transferable skills. And she's offering loads of advice that new people come into industry and current ADIs can utilize as well. We also touch on some other very interesting topics, not least how she's dealt with the negativity, let's say, towards her as a woman in this stereotypically male industry. So cracking episode. And just before we dive into it, I just want to tell you about a couple of exciting things. So first of all, there's a new feature available on Spotify. So if you listen on Spotify, when you go to the episode, you will see the option to answer a question or take part in a poll. That's new and at the moment exclusive to Spotify, and I'm going to be making that unique for every episode. So go back and check the old ones, see if there's any on there you can fill in. But yep, they're going to be there every episode going forward so you can take part and give your feedback on the show. And I will publicize the best responses so all my audience can see your intelligent and well-thought-out remarks. So if you listen to Spotify, make sure I check that out. If you don't listen on Spotify, you can always head over and click over there anyway. But even more exciting, I have got some amazing news, something that is very exciting to me and I think a lot of you guys are going to love. I'm going to tell you about this at the end of the show. And at the end of the show, I'm also going to tell you about what's coming up on season five. So make sure you stick about to the end of the show for that. But for now, let's get stuck in. And we're now joined by, let me get this right, stunt driver, precision driver, motorsport, social media, mogul, motorsport, photographer, globetrotter, driving instructor, and now Ford Cup Championship racer, Sarah Hall. How are we doing, Sarah? Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm not bad. Did I uh, did I miss anything off that list? Like, what, did McDonald's or anything like that? Or? <laughs> Probably did, but uh, we won't have all the time in the world to talk about all the things I've been up to. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so I, I I got you on today. I want to speak about a few things. Well, there's all sorts I want to talk about, but primarily uh, your sort of transition into driving instructor and how you found that first year coming out, you know, from your your background. But the the first question I like to ask everyone when they come on the show uh, is it's around the tagline of the show. So I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers, and I'm just wondering which one or ones of those you would consider yourself. Well, considering as people, we're always self-critical and don't like to speak highly of ourselves. Um, it's it's a difficult question. I'm going to go for game changer, not strictly focus on the ADI side, but just because I've got a bit of an, an unusual background compared to most instructors. So I'm going to go with that. Do you put expert in there as well, sort of around the, the more sport side of it? Um, I guess to a degree. Um, there's probably bits of knowledge and skill that I do have that some ADIs might not from being the background I'm from but by no means does that mean I'm an expert ADI I'm still brand new and learning a lot as I go. Humble as well we'll add to that list um but you kind of you mentioned the instructor side there in your background and I'm like all that that long list of of uh, uh things that you you do how long 
have you been involved in motorsport? Since I was still in my mum, I think, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my mum my and dad always tell me the first real experience in a rally car, she was eight months pregnant with me. Um, so it does explain a lot and probably why I like the noise of V8s because they say babies can hear stuff. So that's I think that's all anyone needs to know to understand my brain. <laughs> so, I mean, that's obviously been most of your life then, or pretty much since you were since you were born, it's been the motorsport thing. So yeah. what made you take that step into becoming a driving instructor? Because while I appreciate it's still obviously automobiles, it, it is a, a bit of a diversion away from the motorsport side. So what, what brought you into that? Um, a couple of things, really. I mean, my dad used to be an instructor many years ago um, when I was a kid, and I remember him coming home in the learner cars and you'd get a different one each day because he was with a school. So we'd always sit and bet with each other what car he was going to bring home. Um, so I remember doing that. And I guess I've always just had a real passion for driving in various aspects. But despite the motorsport side of it, the road is a different thing. And I'm, I'm really an advocate for safe driving on the road. Um, so I just kind of thought it's a natural progression from what I've been doing anyway, because I instruct with manufacturers on private events. So it was kind of a natural progression in that sense. But I also wanted to build my own skill. I'm constantly setting goals to myself, whether they're achievable or not is irrelevant. <laughs> I'm constantly setting targets for myself and trying to achieve things, really. Um, so getting through the ADI and learning all of that was just a goal I'd set for myself and I kind of thought one day I'll do it one day I'll do it one day I'll do it and it was one of them and eventually I just kind of said right get your act together if you're going to do it get on with it and do it so yeah no I'm here you mentioned about instructing with manufacturers there what does that involve um so there's a there's a, a massive variation really in what I do um with them so it can be things such as a bit of the advanced driving side on the road it can be performance driving it can be eco driving it can be uh training their dealership staff on the new product so actually looking at the vehicle itself taking it out looking at what features it's got what happens if you turn traction control off what happens if you turn this off and, and this off and, and actually demonstrating that to people and just passing on a bit of that knowledge really because most of the time you don't get to drive a car in that sort of spirited way or get to test it without safety features. We just take for granted that the, they exist. Um, so to turn them all off in a controlled environment is it's fun, but it's educational as well because those people go away knowing actually that safety equipment that we're selling to our customers is, is great because it does work, it does this, this and this. So, yeah, it's good fun. Do you find that that's received well by those people as you're, you're teaching it and working with them? Yeah, I'd say the whole, you know, the whole team, I'm not, I'm not there on my own. Um, we, we put on a really great event. Um, when we're working with dealerships, it's always a fun day because the staff are just glad to get out of the dealership for a day. <laughs> they're, they're glad for a day out um, somewhere interesting. And like I say, they get to drive the cars a lot, but generally it's just around the dealership and the local area. So they don't get to really see what the product they're selling can actually do. So it's, yeah, it's always really good. Excellent. Just before I move on, I'm going to take a moment just to be a, a little bit of a fanboy for a second because I have never been someone that has been like, uh, oh, there's a footballer or there's you know this famous person or whatever. And, and I've always been a fan of mentality and I've always been a fan of someone achieving stuff. And you mentioned before about setting goals and having all these things you want to achieve. And it's so I follow you on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And following you on there is is a genuine pleasure. And because like I'll jump on one day and you're overseas here and then you're overseas here and then you're on a different racetrack here and how hectic is your lifestyle and how do you fit being a driving instructor in around that um very hectic is the answer but I'm absolutely the type of person that couldn't sit still at a nine-to-five behind a desk it's just everyone's different and I've done it I've been there um but for me the variety is so important for me, just the way I am in myself. I like the variety and I like to, to do lots of different things. Plus you learn a lot, you see a lot. So there's that side of it as well. Um, with the instructing, 
it's it's perfect for me at the moment because I have wanted um, over the last six months or so, my goal has been really to be local more because the travelling is great to a point, but some of the novelty of driving up and down the M1 doesn't wear off a little bit. So, um, yeah, to be home more is definitely been a goal. Um, so it was a natural progression really into the, the ADI. I think it kind of just fit together and allowed me to teach part-time and still do some of the other jobs that I enjoy. You've been in ADI now for almost a year. Um, how, how have you found it? Challenging um, is one word. Definitely springs to mind straight away. No, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's my little one-year anniversary in about two weeks' time. It seems to have flown, to be honest. I kind of feel like it was only a couple of months ago I was going through the stress of part three. But yeah, I found it very educational on my part. I've learned a lot, partly down to the way I went through the whole part one, two and three process. But yeah, learning every single time I go out, I'm learning and picking up things and I'm going home and probably overanalyzing because that's just me naturally. But I'm, I'm analyzing myself and I'm, I'll think about a lesson all the way home. Could I have done something different there? Did I give them the best hour of my time and, and that kind of thing? So, But I'm enjoying the learning process. I think that's a brilliant trait after your lesson, reflecting back on it and seeing what you could do different, as long as you don't dwell on it too much. I do a little um, bit. I'm not going to lie. I do a little bit. I'm a bit of an overthinker, but it's it's all for the greater good, really. Yeah. But you mentioned there the stress of part one and two and three and the way you did it. What was What was stressful about that for you? Um, so I'm a bit of a controversial one, um, because I already instructed for quite a few years in a different capacity in fairness, but I instructed nevertheless, um, at the time I weighed up my options for a long time of how to do it, whether I should go and learn with a school or whether to go completely independently. And in the end, I decided to go for it independently. I don't regret my decision at all. Um, would I have benefited from having more of a support network with the school? Yes, potentially. I don't think I'd recommend doing it the way I did it to someone who hasn't got any instructional or automotive experience at all, because I think that would be so difficult. But, I mean, fair play if you can do it. Um, but, yeah, I did it kind of by myself, really, until I, don't, I did my part two, and then I contacted a local um order instructor who was mega and really supportive and gave me some coaching before my part three but I still struggled with the part three I failed my first one on I think two points <laughs> so that was really frustrating and, and as deflated as I was at the time I literally went home booked it straight back in and I just analysed everything. I actually went back into the test centre once I'd calmed down with myself and had a little word uh, quietly in the car. And I went back in and spoke to the examiner who taught me through a couple of the points on the form, which was really helpful. If I'd have understood exactly what those points were that they were looking for in the way the examiner did, I think I would have passed first time, but because I went into it, not blind, but not having that same support of understanding what the form was looking for, what they were marking. Um, I missed two points on something, so it was really frustrating. But I went in and passed the second time. I just needed that extra level of understanding, really. See, I I, I think that's excellent because, it, you know, you, you may not have quite done it the way that would have been ideal the first time, but you then learn from it and go, I can do it again. I mean, just on a slight aside, I, I failed my first attempt. But the, the amusing thing about that was my trainer had sat in the back and I just felt that the, the test just go poorly. I, I was abysmal. It started off by calling the examiner Terry, which is clearly <laughs> incorrect. I said, uh, hi, Terry, my name is Julie. And it went downhill from there. Um, but afterwards, she got out of the car and I looked over at my trainer in the back and he said to me, you know, you failed, don't you? And I thought... What if I didn't know I'd failed? That's yeah. a horrible way to tell it's me. not the nicest approach, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, that was kind of, I think that was about the time I first 
brought to you actually because uh, that's when you appeared on Driving Test Tales on that podcast. And another slight aside for you, I don't think I've told you this previously, that I've had at least three of my learners that have told me they wish they'd been taught by you rather than me. Not in like a rude way, but like, oh, it must be cool to be taught by like a professional driver, not you, Terry. So there you go. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> but within that first year, then you mentioned obviously that, that how you overcome that standards check and how you developed and progressed from there. What what other difficulties have you found in your first year? I think it's just that lack of network in a sense. I know I've I've pestered your inbox a couple of times for advice. It's there's some there's some great people around like yourself who will always spend the time to help new ADIs or just any any ADIs really who've got a question. Um, but I think when you first start out, I kind of had this real imposter syndrome thing going on. I was out there, my car was graphicked up. I had my mailbox on the top, and I'm kind of sat there going, "Am I really allowed to be doing this? <laughs> Am I actually is that a certificate real? Am I like you know?" Um, and it just all felt like a little bit crazy because I was on my own. I didn't have that. I kind of didn't have that boss over my shoulder, kind of checking in, and there was I was answerable to myself, which is really odd because I'm I've been self employed for years. It's just a different thing. Um, so yeah, initially I think the hardest bit was just that when you've got questions, you haven't got that immediate person or employer to query things with so I'm kind of figuring things out on my own and just working out the best way to operate and as well as that trying to improve myself and make sure that I'm teaching people well enough. You mentioned imposter syndrome there is is that something you're still struggling with is it is it less prominent now or? Um, I think it's lessened a little bit but in my nature I always feel like that in anything I do in my life I don't have the most confidence in the world um, I'm learning it. I'm learning it. I'm trying to get better at that. But um, yeah, there's still a little bit of imposter syndrome there sometimes. And I think it's a funny thing because of how old I am and how old some of my students are. I'm kind of, I'm not that much older than them, or at least I like to think I'm not. <laughs> it's, that's probably a mistake as well. And so sometimes it is an odd dynamic when you kind of think, oh, this could just be like one of my pals. But I'm um, actually they're looking up to me for information yeah. and guidance and stuff so it's it's been interesting i want to touch on that imposter just a little bit longer because mm. i'm intrigued to know how you deal with it um because i know it's something that a lot of instructors it's something i dealt, uh, struggled with when i first started so how do you yeah. deal with that um i mean most of the time i just sort of internally tell myself to show up and just get on with it because <laughs> you qualified sarah what you're worrying for um but i think to me it's not a bad thing um the day I stop caring is the day I shouldn't be teaching anymore, really. That's what I say to myself. Um, I feel like this because I care, because I want to be good at what I do. So I kind of just give myself a bit of a reality check. And sometimes I'll doubt myself. I'll doubt the technique I'm using to teach someone. And Google is my best friend. If I'm in doubt of anything, um, the other day one of my students was struggling to get the grips of a parking manoeuvre. And I, I kind of... I left the lesson feeling a little bit deflated about it because I thought, I feel awful. I feel like she's getting stressed. What can I do differently? Because I feel like maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm not explaining it properly. Maybe I'm overcomplicating it for her. Um, and I actually spent half an hour. I had a little break between lessons. And I just I Googled and YouTubed. I can't tell you how many videos of other people teaching the same thing desperate to find something different to what I'd said thinking I'd missed something and every single one was what I was saying so I thought right stop worrying you've got the information right maybe you just need to try a different approach with her um because everyone learns differently so I kind of just constantly researching and looking up things I think just to make sure I'm like reassuring myself really that I'm doing it right I like it and and moving away from the maybe some of the difficulties you've had what are some of the successes you've had? What have you enjoyed about the, the job? Um, I think my first two students going for the test and passing first time for me was just selfishly uh, a relief. <laughs> um, obviously, so, so happy for them. And it was absolutely their their achievement. They, they drove obviously brilliantly on the day. But to know that I'd had a hand in 
getting them to that point just felt so good. And the fact that I must have done something right because they both passed, that was a relief. Um, And, yeah, one of my students, actually, her test got cancelled the first time, as we're all probably very familiar with, um, due to various factors. And the rebook was a date I was actually working outside of the country um, we couldn't change it for whatever reason, so she ended up very luckily. She's got her own little mortar, and her, her parents took her for the test. So I was in Albania at the time with no signal, and all I could think about was this girl going for a test. And I was just thinking, I hope she's all right. I hope she passes. I can't wait to get signal and hear because I was in the middle of a mountain somewhere, um, just desperate to get signal to try and find out if she'd passed. Um, and when I did get signal, I just got messages through um that she passed and a little picture of a certificate and she was just so happy um yeah so that was a really nice moment what were you doing in albania <laughs> um so i was on um i was on an expedition with the bmw gs trophy so it's an off-road bike competition um i wasn't riding a bike don't worry i'm not yeah quite at that level just yet but um yeah basically i was support crew so there's a new off-road vehicle which is the Ineos Grenadier and we were driving those around as their debut outing really um which is some hell of a way to do it yeah major off-roading yeah stuff like this fascinates me you know you uh you you pass your test become an instructor you on an expedition in Albania with BMW and uh, you've still got imposter syndrome you know it's, it's I find stuff like that fascinating but I think I need some I, therapy I, <laughs> um i want to ask you for some advice so you've been in the job a year now yeah uh, so you're still quite new what would you say to someone that was maybe either considering coming into the industry or maybe just about getting into it someone at that sort of level what advice would you offer them um i mean i'd absolutely encourage it it's, i think it's it's a great job um the joy is you can do it part-time if you want like i am or you can do it full time and I think there's a lot of work to go around I think I would probably advise them of the challenges relating to um you know test availability and that sort of thing because I think going into it it's good to understand what you're going to be facing with all that and I wouldn't say 100% of the time but generally I would say find a decent school do a lot of research speak to other people um online or if you've got a local driving instructor sort of social group do a lot of research into the different schools and try and find one that's got you know really good personal recommendations would be the best way because i know there's a there's a few i couldn't name names i I wouldn't but there's a few people online who've mentioned some not great experiences and they're not being very supportive schools so i think do a bit of research into that and find one that's that's decent and you'll have no bother mentioned there about sort of waiting times around tests and stuff was that something you were aware of coming into industry or did that take you by surprise that that took me by surprise a little bit yeah um to be honest because I'm teaching part-time I'm not yet having a huge problem with that because I don't have that constant stream of of tests just yet although it's going to start getting a little bit busier because obviously I've been teaching people for a while now the first couple have passed and now I'm going to be feeling the second batch coming through um but yeah, I'll kind of deal with that when it comes. <laughs> um, was that a bit of a shock to the system, actually, seeing that that waiting list? Yeah, a little bit. It's just, I guess we just didn't expect it. If you're not in the industry or you've not had a child learning to drive or whoever in your life learned to drive at that time, you just don't know about it, really. Um, and the fact that the media keep saying driving instructors are on strike, and I'm like, all right, do I get a day off? Because they keep getting that wrong. It's the examiners, not the instructors. Um, yeah, that I think people just don't expect that that's the case. And I think it's interesting, you like the perception from the outside looking in compared to the inside looking out. Mm. So I think there's two things I kind of want to ask you about that. So first of all, your opinion on the actual job. So not now I know you said your dad was an instructor before, so maybe this you had a better idea, but I found coming into industry that what the job entailed was very different to what I thought it entailed. Is that something you've noticed, or is it because of, you know, perhaps your dad being in it? Did you have a good idea anyway? I think I'm maybe somewhere in the middle of that. Um, 
there's definitely stuff that I expected. Um, there's definitely more challenges than I expected. Maybe not more, just different different to what I expected. Um, but overall, roughly, it's kind of what I was expecting to get into. I think one of the big things for me is just the planning on my part. So the amount of planning needed, um, planning lessons, and even just planning my diary is an absolute pain in the backside, to be quite honest with you, but it's just the way it is. Yeah, um, yeah just managing to fit people in. Like, obviously, I try and cover a certain area and you know dave can only do a lesson on tuesday at 13 minutes past two and susan can i do a lesson and you're just like oh my goodness mate and they're on opposite ends of the postcode so that just that organizational factor is a little bit of a, a more of a challenge than i expected but i'm on top of it now ish yeah and then the industry as a whole so since coming into the driving instructor industry or profession um what, what's been your take on it you know whether that's like the instructors the dbsa the the online presence which is something i talk about a lot how have you found the industry as a whole um i think it's a mixed bag really i mean i was actually super nervous for taking my first student to a test and not for her for me as selfishly um because up until then, my main point of contact with other instructors has been online. And I don't think it's instructors per se. I think this is how the online world works. There's some right chewy people about <laughs> in there. <laughs> yes. And they just, it's its a weird online presence thing. And, we, you know, it's a kind of keyboard warrior syndrome. It's just odd when people are asking genuine questions and asking for help. You'll get people put snarky comments and really like shitty comments and I just think it's the there's just no need for it but that that for me is very difficult I've been put off posting for advice because fear of repercussion basically um just from asking a simple question so going into the test center where it's silent in the waiting room <laughs> and you've just got nervous students who aren't talking and other instructors who are all glaring at each other thinking I don't know you I haven't seen you before <laughs> and I was dreading going in there but actually it was a lovely experience it was absolutely fine um the two chaps that were there on that day were really lovely actually couldn't ask for any more really chatty and really supportive and offered advice um so that was really great that changed my, my mind a bit i think online generally is just a bit of a naff place sometimes the cesspool of Benham. yeah yeah i was and, trying to be polite yeah it's just yeah <laughs> no I, I can i think i've had a similar experience i say that you know I, my seven years now i think i've had one bad experience at a test center online many many more and, and I concur with you, I don't understand it. You know, even if an instructor posts something that, in theory, they should know, well, they're now taking time to find out why is that abuse there? I, I... Exactly, 100%. Like, yeah, okay, I've seen a few stupid questions where I think, really? But I can th I'm allowed to think, really, you don't know that? But you don't need to take time out of your day to get the keyboard and write something nasty it's a totally different thing and i just think if you were sat in a room with these people would you approach them the same way would you just be really nasty for no reason probably not because socially there's repercussions of that behavior somebody would call you out and say hold on that's not acceptable but for some reason online people have just got well you can't smack someone in the mouth online can you so <laughs> people have learned, learned a bit of unnecessary bravery um it's not often I don't know how to respond to stuff, but I don't know how to respond to <laughs> just, that. Just for the record, I've never smacked anyone in the mouth, but we've all dreamt about it, haven't we? Yes. Well, maybe not dreamt. Considered. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a dream as such. Um, <laughs> no comment. But I'm with you. There has been times when I've I've wanted to post, especially sort of pre this podcast when I was on an awful lot less confident, um, oh. and I've been reluctant to and. and yeah. I think that you've taken a different approach to me because my approach was I'm just going to hide over here in my corner and not speak to anyone. But obviously that's not the right approach. So what would you suggest to someone, again, maybe new to the industry, it's just come in, sees all this this venom online, where could they go for help? You know, where have you gone for help? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think finding a local instructor that's willing to support you is a really good 
um, avenue. I'm not saying that's the like don't do that on its own. Um, if you if you've for whatever reason not with a school or if you're with a school and you feel like you're not quite getting enough support, yes, there's a million videos online. There's a million books you can get, um, and they're all really really valuable. But books don't answer your questions directly, do they? And I think sometimes you just need that person, a human to speak with. I think online, it can be a really good forum. There's a lot of amazing instructors um, online and who are very, very willing to help and offer advice. I think even just, I mean, I've just been listening to your podcasts, to be honest, so I'll give you a little plug. Listen to, to stuff like this. It's really useful just to hear, even if you don't get any info from it, just to hear that someone else has actually felt the same. Someone else has been there. And you can listen and think, oh, it's not just me then. <laughs> and it just makes you feel a bit better. Well, people are definitely getting info for you today, so that's good. Um, I want to touch on one other thing around sort of the instructor side, and, and it's combining those two areas. So all the motorsport stuff you did before and then the instructor. I'm intrigued to know if you brought any of those skills or, or mindsets even into to instructor stuff. Yeah, I think so. Um, probably a lot without even realising I've done it. But, I mean, I've always been interested in the car control side of things. So, in a way, the car control is a small amount of learning to drive, really. A lot of it is learning what other people are going to do, rules of the road, that kind of thing. Um, but I really love that car control side. And I get a lot of satisfaction from teaching people that really so in the early days just getting getting somebody to be able to move the car control the car that's there's a lot of satisfaction there for me so yeah I'm really interested in that side of it I think there are some differences between the standard methods of learning to drive and motorsport um obviously but even in the car control side of things the stuff that we wouldn't do on the road that actually are better on the track um so I've had to separate them a little bit but there's definitely elements you can pull from one into the other and we're just taking a slight pause in the show to give a big shout out to all our new sign-ups to the instructor podcast premium now I've had quite a few sign-ups since season four ended so I'm not going to shout them all out today I'll split them in two so allow me to take a moment to say a big welcome and thank you to Kerry Trotman, Katie Fox, Lee Churchill, Stuart Phelan, Layla Horton Tucket, I apologise for pronouncing your name wrong I believe I have, Diana Todd and James Ellis so welcome on board to you guys these folks have made the wise choice of signing up to Instructor Podcast Premium where they get immediate access to about 90 exclusive shows. Shows including Being Better with Bob Morton, where Bob gives us anecdotes and stories and wise words of wisdom on how we can be better driving instructors. ADI Mindfulness with Sam Harper, where the amazing Sam shares her wisdom around mindfulness, how it can help us, the tips we can use to help our students, all that kind of stuff and less industry-specific stuff, including the Audience Growth Podcast with Robin Bates, and fairly new show, Seahawks Podcast with Nick Cooks, where we're looking at growing our audience with Robin and improving our website, ranking, SEO, all that kind of cool stuff with Nick Oaks. There's other shows available as well, things on the standard check, things on coaching, and my own personal favourite, Alternative Roots, where I give you different approaches that you can take to your business. As well as that, you get a host of discounts, including discounts with Bob Mort's Client Set of Learning, the ADI PDI Doctor, the ADI Mindfulness Courses, Go Roadie, and Coaching for Geeks Turbo. If you want to find out more, head over to theinstructorpodcast.com or you can always drop me a message. Alternatively, you'll find links in the show notes to sign up. All that stuff is included in the £10 tier. And if you hang about to the end of the show, you'll find out my exciting new thing going on over there. So uh, let's enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so I want to ask you a bit about the a bit more about the motorsport side of stuff because I know that this season you are taking part in the Focus Cup Championship. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Is this your debut on on that? It's my debut full season, yeah. So um, obviously, always been into motorsport and put myself off 
getting my race license. I don't really know why. Um, just talked myself out of it. Can't do it. Won't be good enough. That usual old chestnut. Um, basically, when COVID happened, professionally and personally, it was really one of the lowest points of my life, to be honest. I lost all my work overnight, being self-employed. Felt very, very lost. Um, and I had, we'd lost a friend to COVID and, and various other things happened at the same time. So it was just a really challenging year, really. Um, and after that, I just thought, why are you talking yourself out of stuff? I always make a little, at, the, at New Year time, sort of when I'm off a couple of days over Christmas and New Year, I make a little um, list of goals the year ahead so I don't really do resolutions I just do things that I'd like to have achieved by the end of that year um and I got out the old one and I thought you've done none of that like you know pull yourself together get on with it because if you do don't do it this year you're going to feel just as bad at the end of the year again so um I just kind of went right let's go and do it so me and a couple of friends just popped down to the you know little race track three hours away and did our race license test um and I didn't even have anything planned I just thought I don't know what I'm gonna do with it but if I don't have it I can't do anything so I'm just gonna go and get it and see what happens um and I'm really lucky a great friend of mine Gary he's got um various vehicles that you can basically arrive and drive so you don't have to build a car to go and race and go through all that expense or learning how to build a car to regulation um, you basically just give him some beer tokens and he lends you a car for the day. So we did that, um, raced at Brands Hatch. It wasn't a very long race, so I'd hit myself up. I was very, very nervous, to put it mildly. Um, forgot how to use a clutch because, you know, it doesn't matter how much experience you've got. When you're nervous, your left leg just doesn't work, does it? You're just shaking on the clutch. And I'm there, ready to go. Three laps in, somebody binned it into the tyre wall, ended the race. Luckily, they were okay. Um, but, yeah, three laps is all I got on my first race. So not a huge debut, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And then I've, I was working with Focus Cup at the time. Anyway, I do their media uh, media bits and bobs. And um, I got the chance to race last year at Croft, which is my local track with focus cup uh so i did my first weekend of racing so it was two days of of racing and absolutely loved it and i was planning on doing the same this year at a different track because we're not at croft this year wasn't really sure which one yet hadn't decided very casual about it um and then unexpectedly i've basically ended up with the opportunity to race the full season for the first time do it properly try and get some points on the board and yeah i just can't believe it's happening really excited well, I'm going to send that previous clip to the DVSA so they can hear a professional driver and professional um, racer talk about, you know, forgetting how to use the clutch. So maybe they'll worry less about how our students go on test when you've got people like yourselves doing it. But Don't send them a the video of me driving on the track, whatever you do, because they'll just take <laughs> the license straight off me. <laughs> um, so when, when does that kick off then? Uh, 1st of April, and unless I turn up and someone tells me it's all a big joke. Um, but yeah, 1st of April at Donington Park is round one. So I'm very excited, very nervous. I've got a test day on Monday this week. Uh, next week. What day are we on? Saturday? Yeah. Monday, Monday next week. Um, yeah, test day at Donington Park. So that is going to be my only real seat time before the race. And I'm way off pace. So I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> What's more nervous or, or, or more, um, what makes you more nervous, I should say, sitting in that, that racing seat or sitting next to a learner driver for the first time? Racing seat, 100%. Because I am the person looking after them. I've got I've got dual controls. We'll be fine. Nobody's sat next to me looking after me and I'm doing like 100 mile an hour and just freewheeling it. <laughs> I'm just hoping for the best. I'm living on hopes and dreams out there. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit different. I, I was the opposite. I remember my first ever lesson as an instructor and looking at that student and thinking, you could kill me today. <laughs> and, yeah, that thought has crossed my mind. 
Um, coming back to the, the driving, though, uh, I, I believe you, you, uh, you're kind of following yourself. You're doing a vlog of your tracks. Where can people find that? Yeah, so my YouTube channel is Sarah Hall Motorsport, um, and I'm going to be doing it on there. I'm going to, in between races, so there's a, a time constraint, but I'm going to try and make it happen. I'm going to try and do um, a, a, an episode per round um, or per race weekend because some of them are doubles. But, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to try and do. and have a bit of information and background uh, behind the scenes and stuff about about racing really and just how you can get into it and I think a lot of people have got questions because it seems like a bit of a an unobtainable hobby but I mean it's expensive that's the worst part but other than that realistically anyone can do it if I can pass my odds license anybody can do it it's it's quite easy um and yeah hopefully I'll be able to just entertain a couple of people on there with what happens behind the scenes and we all have a, such a laugh as well it's really really fun the championships are a really lovely place to be so hopefully it's a good watch well, uh, you are officially now a friend of the interrupted podcast so if there's anything we can do to promote that let me know um, but i also want to touch on the fact that um, and this may come as a surprise to you uh, but you are a woman and um Ooh, yeah <laughs> in <laughs> In a stereotypically male sort of environment, and I know that there's been some, uh, at least local press coverage of you recently, kind of highlighting that fact. And is that something that's almost lost on you? Is that something you're aware of? Is that something that you're drumming, uh, uh, sort of beating the drum about specifically? Or um, I've always been aware of it um, in a sense of sometimes you do get treated differently generally and especially with like focus cup and motorsport 100 percent doesn't it doesn't matter who you are um they're welcoming regardless um they've got other women racing in the championship as well in the general automotive industry however that's where i've experienced some challenges with it um i mean generally i just let comments go over my head i don't really care and i've <laughs> there's not much people can say that i haven't heard i've worked with cars since i left school so there's, there's, yeah, not much new that someone can say to try and annoy me. But, um, you know, it does wear you down a little bit sometimes. When it's constant and it's the same old jokes, you just think, like, just, you know, get a new line. At least try something unique, mate. If you're going to try and insult me, come on, just choose something uh, that you've actually thought of yourself. But generally, motorsport-wise, it doesn't really matter. We all put our helmets on. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. We all look the same, don't we? Um, it's all just about going out and having some fun. Yes, but I also I want to touch on that a little bit because we spoke about the yeah. social media stuff before and about the, some of the negative stuff, specifically with, with driving instructors. And I don't think I'm misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure you posted the other day showing someone, some bloke, you know, bitching about you being a female driver or whatever. And it's like, how... How do you deal with that, you know, and, and what advice would you give to other people? Because, and, and I suppose specifically women in this instance, but it, like you said, it, it's tiresome. How, how do you keep going when that's something you're facing? It's, it is tiresome. It's really tiresome. I posted the other day because I got a little bit frustrated with it all, but it was International Women's Day, as you might well be aware. Um, and I just thought it was appropriate. The article came out the day before. Um, on purpose so that people could read it um and they were just trying to give a little push to women doing something a little bit different so I felt the article was really well timed um and yeah there was a few comments it's always interesting though the comments were made under the article itself on the website rather than on Facebook so the people had usernames rather than their name or their profile which is you, you make your own mind up whether that's relevant to the comments they made. But, yeah, there was a couple of comments, and some of them are meant in jest. I know they're not from a bad place, but they are exhausting. And you just think, well, all you're doing is feeding this narrative that women are terrible drivers and blah, blah, blah. And to me, it's, it's damaging. I know it might just seem like an innocent joke to most. Um... And yeah, I mean, I'm the first person that can laugh at myself. I'm always taking the mick out of myself and I like to think I'm not really big-headed or anything. But there's only so much you can listen to these same old, I'm going to quote, jokes and accept that they're funny. Um, you know, it's not a, a woke, offense, uh, like offended thing. 
I just think when you've got young young girls who are potentially looking at a career in the automotive industry or racing or anything of that sort, they're reading that. And that narrative is fed in from them being a kid that women can't drive, women aren't good enough to do that job, it's a man's job, um, and it's just not true. I think we just need to stop that, let it let it just be, let people do what they want to do without having to take the mick out of it I hope that makes sense what I'm you know the way I think of it you know there was <laughs> it wasn't mentioned in the article actually because it was all about the racing it wasn't mentioned that I was a driving instructor but yeah one of the comments was yeah but can she parallel park though and so my response was well I hope so because I'm a driving instructor and he, he disappeared after that he didn't come back one of them was something about women not being successful in motorsport um, and, I, you know, let's see if she's successful, like really kind of snarky about it. And I thought, well, it's just a really odd way of thinking of it to assume that somebody who I've said in the article, I'm starting out, this is my first time really racing, um, to think that I have to enter at the top of my game, right on the podium straight away, otherwise you're no good, is a really bizarre thing because I've not seen any gentlemen questioned about why aren't you straight to the top of the podium? Then you can't be very good then, can you? But it's just this weird, like, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to learn. You've and, and do you know what? It doesn't matter if I was at the back for the every race I ever do for the rest of my life. If I'm enjoying it, someone's got to be at the back. It, does, it doesn't matter, I, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, you get these really bizarre comments. Um, sometimes you've just got to, or I do, I, I just ignore them. It's hard. You've got to be a bit thick-skinned with some of them. But, yeah, you've, you've got to be either ignore them or kill them with kindness, I think. Because if you reply just as arsey as they've been, they love it. It's like catching a, a fish, isn't it? They just reel you in and all they want is a bit of online banter and they think that they've got you, so you just ignore them or be super nice. I actually offered somebody to come and have a go uh, at, at my job once because he made a comment online about um, he didn't think I'd see it. But he made this comment and he said something about being in the kitchen. And I thought, oh, my God. So I left it at first. But he just kept picking. He just kept putting little comments under the video. And at the time, I was working with the British Drift Championship doing presenting work. So we were, like, live presenting to, like, a million people. I was 100% out of my comfort zone. But I was loving it. I was learning loads. You know, I was I was improving at the job and not the best presenter in the world by far, but just enjoying myself. Anyway, I made this comment. And so I said, well, if you'd like at the next meeting, you can I'll you be my guest. I'll pay for your ticket. You can come in and you can come up to the commentary tower and you can come and see what we do. And you can then tell me if you think it's really easy and that I should be in the kitchen. And that was one of the best ones because he crawled back in his hole and he just kind of shrunk and he was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't think you'd see my comment. <laughs> the online world is such a strange place. It really is. You've just got to be thick-skinned. Um, I don't normally say this, but for anyone listening, I'm going to highly recommend you rewind about five minutes and listen to that again because some absolutely gold uh, in, in what Sarah's just said there. So... I, I would take the opportunity to listen to that again. There's just a couple of bits I want to touch back on. Because mm. um, you mentioned about girls either learning to drive or coming into the motorsport industry or automotive industry, whatever it is, and having that stigma. And I, I don't think I've said this public before, so I'd be interested in, in your thoughts on this. It's something I see as, a, as an instructor. Stereotypically, admittedly, but generally when women or girls get in the car, they don't get in believing they can do it. Yeah. They get in assuming they can't and they're going to have to work really, really hard to achieve it. But when lads get in, blokes get in, they get in with the assumption they can do it because that's what yeah. they've been told. And I see you nodding there. Is, is, that what you, is that what you see? Is that what you agree with? 100%. And I can, I, can, I can tell you now, if I take learning to drive out of the way, let's go back to when I was an instructor at a stunt school. I can tell you now who were the ones who got it right most of the time, and it was the girls. And the reason is because they don't get into the car with an ego most of the time, and they listen in a different way to, to boys. So 
it's not 100% 50-50, but generally the girls would get in. They would be less confident, 100%, uh, less confident in their own ability and thinking they can do it. But they would get in, they would listen, they would achieve the manoeuvre that we were trying to teach them. And all we, all we had to do was boost their confidence a bit and get them to put the accelerator down a bit harder. Whereas generally, the lads got in with a little bit of ego um, and the ego got in the way of them listening to the instruction because in their head they had this mindset of, I'm going to be really good at this. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with confidence, but you've still got to accept that instruction from somebody who is teaching you something you don't know. There is an element of that with learning to drive, I think, as well. But it is a frustrating concept. Cars have always traditionally been a male hobby. And I accept that. That's just the way it is. It's the same with some female-related hobbies, you know. But it's 2023. It's not 1943. Times have changed a bit. And um, it used to be a case of the, the men went out to work, the men drove the cars, women stayed at home. Because, to be honest, back then, you could survive on one income. I think everyone knows at the moment and probably feels it. We can't do that. We can't survive on two, never mind one. Um, so things have changed. Women didn't need to drive. So it was always traditionally a male thing. But times have changed and there's absolutely no difference between a woman or a man driving. Women are kind of still instilled for some reason with this concept that we're not going to be very good at this. Boys are better. Um, you know, there's I can't count how many pictures of curbed alloy wheels I saw on International Women's Day, all shared by men taking the mick out of International Women's Day. And yeah, okay, it's just a bit of a joke. But again, it's if this is what young girls are seeing constantly, and boys, they're going to assume that this is the way the world is still. And I do think it's a little bit damaging. I think we should just pack it in. <laughs> I, I I think I agree with everything you're saying. I think that, you know, it's only a joke if the person on the receiving end finds it funny. Um, yeah. I'm also a bloke and I'm, I'm human and, and I've, developed over the years and i think back i'm a very different person to i am now to when i was 20 i would have been a lot more likely to make stereotypical sexist jokes when i was 20 thinking they were funny but the thing i'm seeing now more from the younger lads is they're not making as many of those jokes it tends to be people my age that are doing that crap and it is crap it's nonsense Mm -hmm. and i'm fascinated by this stuff and and you know just a a little stat for you that you might find interesting um i might have these numbers slightly off but it's something like 23 percent of instructors are female so there's like 75 percent are male ish but 55 percent of my listeners are female interesting it is and i don't think it's anything to do with me you know, anything like that. I, I read that as the, the female instructors are more keen on their personal development. And I'm probably going to get some hate for saying that, but that's how I interpret it. When you've got that split in the, the, the gender of the um, the instructors, but that's not representative in, in the listeners of the podcast, which I find fascinating. But do you think that, I don't know quite how to word this question, but I'm going to try. There should be more women in motorsport and in uh, instructing and, and that side of it, or not necessarily the expense of men, but do you think that it should be a, a greater mixture? I do, yeah. I think I'm always an advocate for encouraging women to get into the industry because I'm passionate about it and I know there will be other women or young girls out there who are considering it, would like to do it, would be really good at it, but don't have the confidence to do it, whether that's their own self-confidence or whether that's the influence of people around them that suggest they can't, um, or the way society says cars are for boys and all that kind of nonsense. I think we don't need to force an equal playing field. We don't need to force it to be 50-50 split. What we need to do is just encourage anyone who wants to do it to do it, whether that's ADI, whether that's racing, um, or any other job involved in the motorsport industry. We've got female mechanics at Focus Cup. They're, they're just part of the team. It's irrelevant, you know, whether they're female or male. Um, and to just encourage people to do that is enough. We don't need a forced split 50-50. It just needs to be 
let's just be inclusive of people. And I don't think of inclusivity as if, if, if it's at the expense of somebody else, it's not inclusive. Inclusive just to me means it's equal opportunity for everyone that wants to do it. And I think there's a lot of females out there who would want to do it. So I think there should be more and there probably would be if the narrative changed a little bit. But I, I never think it would be a 50-50 split. I think you're always going to have in this industry more men just because generally more men are interested. It's just the way it is. Same with racing, you know, same with various other jobs. I'm probably sure there's more ma- male bricklayers than there are female bricklayers. But that doesn't mean that people shouldn't get the opportunity to do that job if that's what they want to do. That's a, a really good way of putting it. We're not discriminating against anyone. We're just encouraging and welcoming of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've asked you for some advice for new people coming into the industry a couple of times because I think it's been good and you're a good person to ask. But would your, that advice to someone new coming into the industry be different if it was a female or would it be the same regardless? Would you have different advice to a woman coming into our industry? I would. I think I'd give them the same advice. I'd be very careful about what I said because I like to be realistic and I can't hide that there may be a bit of sexism somewhere along the line, but I don't want to give someone the mindset that that is how this industry is and and that's what you should expect because I think that's equally as damaging as well to just assume that it's going to be a sexist environment. Um, I don't think I've really had any issues at all in that regard with ADI stuff um, that I can really remember. It's more, it's more been when I used to work in parts. So I used to, you know, when you've got the dealership and you get the spare parts for the cars, that sort of side of the industry for me is can be worse. But um, generally, no, I think I'd give them the same advice. And if it was a woman who did come to me with a query of like anything that was remotely sexist. I know what I'd tell her, but I can't say that on a podcast. I'll, uh, I'll edit the next bit out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you mentioned a few times throughout the podcast about goals, whether it's for the racing or, or uh, instructing or life or whatever, but I'm keen to know what are your goals for racing for the, for the, I keep forgetting what it's called the focus cup focus championship. Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because it's my first season out, this is really going to be the only time I've had consistent seat time in the car, and that's really, really important with racing. It's not, it's not just driving fast on the road. It's you're pushing the car to just about the edge of its limit and your mental limit of what you can do. Um, and it is difficult, or it can be difficult, especially when you're starting out. And I think my issue is because I've, I've started late in life, if you like, really, compared to most kids that get into racing young. Um, so for me, I've got to get over like a mental blocker um, because in my head, I'm hurtling towards a corner and thinking, if I crash, this hurts. But you can't think like that. So I've got to get out of that mindset because it's stopping me from going as fast as I should be. So there's definitely a mental side of it, which for me, I want to overcome that a little bit this year um, because that's the only way I'm going to be able to improve my lap times is to improve my mental state within the racing. Um, so if I can do that, that I'd be very, very happy with that. And naturally then I would be improving my lap times as well. Um, if I can just get more competitive throughout the year, that would be ultimate. I'd be so happy with that. Um, and that'd be for me a really good foundation for the first year. It's just, just yeah, make a bit of progress. And I suppose with that, the, the racing side of it, it's 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 literally the polar opposite to what you're doing with your learners. You know, we, I'm assuming you don't go onto the racetrack thinking about a two second gap to the car in front. You know, there's literally a zero second gap sometimes, yeah. and it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a reason I don't do it, and, <laughs> and that's one of them. <laughs> Um, all right, so I am intrigued with, to see what's next for you because, I mean, like I said, that just that intro that I gave you at the start, you've got this this massive CV of, of stuff that you do. I'm genuinely curious what's next. What does the future hold? Is there anything else big and bouncy coming up or are you now just settled in for a bit and then seeing what happens? Um, I mean, I'm 
I'm fairly settled for this year at least because obviously I wasn't planning on doing the race season. So that's going to take up a lot of my time this year um, and a lot of budget potentially as well. So I would really like to do my bike license. I did say I was going to do that this year. Um, but realistically, I'll see because obviously I've got a lot on now. So it might have to reluctantly be moved to next year. But I'd love to do my bike license. I would love to do my C plus E, but realistically, I'm not really going to use it. I only want it because I can. So that's definitely not at the top of the list, <laughs> but I'd love to do it because I got my C last year. Um, so bike, I'd love to do. And then realistically, after that, more racing, if I can, and just get some more seat time with that and try and progress. But I'm, I'm always quite open. If I find any other goals, then. I'll put them on the list. Um, and I think we're going to finish with the most important question, which is what is the ultimate driving song? What song is going on to instruct the podcast Spotify playlist? This this has stressed me out most, this question. <laughs> so I have such a weird eclectic mix of music. So I went through in my head and I said, right, what could I choose? Any Any sort of rock music is just cool, isn't it? Anything that is on... GTA 5 is on my playlist. But it's a feel-good song. It's a bit cheesy, but it's to do with cars, and it's feel-good, and it's uplifting. So I thought, right, I'm going to choose this one, and hopefully you know what it is. It's off Cars, the movie, and it's Life is a Highway. Life is a Highway. It's just good, and if you don't like it, then it's just, yeah. I do. I've not listened to that for many years, so I'm quite looking forward to getting that back yeah. on. Um, all right. Well, well, thank you for joining us today. Do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you for more Sarah goodness? Yeah. So if you want to follow anything to do with the uh, ADI Driving School, it's Teesside Driving Academy, and that's on Facebook and Instagram. And Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, Sarah Hall Motorsport is obviously all of my racing stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Stephen. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been brilliant to catch up. Speak to you soon. A big thank you to Sarah Hall there. I'm sure you'll agree. A brilliant way to kick off Season 5. Episode I really enjoyed. Lots of useful advice and information. And I'm sure that if you were listening, you'll have taken a lot from that. But I did promise you my exciting news. And this is something that I'm genuinely very, very keen to, to get started on. And they are essentially going to be launching some masterclasses. So the Instructor Podcast masterclasses, we're going to call these expert sessions. So going forward, there's going to be one every quarter, except for the second quarter of this year. So there'll be one every month. So in April, May and June, we'll have an expert session. Then the first one is going to be on April the 12th and featuring Green Show, a Green Room even, regular Chris Benstead, who is going to be talking to us about how to teach roundabouts. That one topic that we were never taught when we became an instructor is going to be doing the presentation, the expert session on how to teach roundabouts. And then there will be one in May and June, and there'll be at least one every quarter after that. As well as that, we're providing what we call coaching sessions. So four times a month, I'll be opening up my Zoom room for anyone that signed up to come and join in and they can get coaching, they can use accountability, whatever they want. That's going to be three hours at a time, four times a month. So it'll be early, it'll be evening, there'll be weekdays and there'll be weekends. The opportunity to come and pick my brains, get some coaching, get some accountability, whatever you want to do there. As well as that, you sign up, you get a free 30 minute coaching call with me that'll be one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me that'll be 30 minutes long we're also going to be giving you the chance to watch some podcasts being recorded live so we'll record the podcast you can sit in the background and watch them and then at the end of those you'll be able to jump in with some questions if you have any and then there's also some exclusive instructor podcast merchandise there'll be t-shirts and mugs and stuff like that all that is in the premium content. Now, at the minute, there are two tiers to the premium content. There is a £2 tier and a £10 tier. The £2 tier, 
Basically, get nothing except my eternal gratitude. The £10 tier, you get all the content that I do. So you get the regular three or four shows a month that I do exclusive for that tier. And then you've got the, the new tier, which is £22 a month, where you get everything from the content tier. All those exclusive shows with people like Bob Morton and Sam Harper and shows on the standards check, you get all that, as well as the expert sessions every quarter, the coaching sessions four times a month, the merchandise and the opportunities to watch some podcast recording live. We've already got some of my current premium members upgraded to that and get some great feedback already. So be sure to go and check that out. And as I mentioned, the first expert session is Chris Spencer on how to teach roundabouts on April the 12th. Now, one question I have been asked that I will take this opportunity to answer is that you do not have to stay a member. So if you wanted to sign up just to watch Chris's masterclass, you could just sign up for a month and then cancel. You would get pay your £22, you would get access to all the content that's already over there. That's currently about 90 exclusive shows plus the masterclass, and then if you didn't want to stay, you can always leave, and you've got all that content for a month to access. As always, if you've got any questions on that, feel free to contact me. Easy to find via the website, www.theinstructorpodcast.com, or you can find me on Facebook or most of the other social media. I also mentioned I was going to tell you a little bit about what's coming up on Season 5. We've got a host of topics. We're keeping the themes around mental and physical health, business and driving instructor specifics kind of the three key things that i've always focused a show on so they'll be around that we're also going to have one additional feature so every episode i'm going to have a driving instructor on for a short segment at the end of each episode where they're just going to be giving you a top tip a recommendation and their ultimate driving song so at the end of every episode we're going to have that as well now, if you want to be that driving instructor, because there are a few spaces left that I haven't filled in yet, if you want to appear on for that short segment, then get in touch and we can arrange for you to get on as well. But for now, I'm going to love you and leave you. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode. And remember, if you're not enjoying your driving lessons, you're doing it wrong. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.